0: Hi there, and welcome back to another episode. I'm very excited to have a guest back for the second time, the really inspiring Dr. Elise Bayview. Elise is the founder of Mindful in May, and she has been on the podcast before. So if you haven't listened to that, make sure you do as we cover different things, and it's episode number 72. The number one reason for having Elise back is because I think during these challenging times at the time of the recording, we all need to go inwards and meditate to cope with it all. So in Grow, which is my personal growth slash book club, for April 2022, we are going to read Elise's book, The Happiness Plan. And we are going to meditate and do 10 minutes of guided meditation a day, that is part of her book. And then we will be super inspired to be part of Mindful in May, which starts 1st of May 2022. And we are very lucky to have Dr. Elise to join us live in my personal growth club in one of our Monday live sessions in April. So if you want to join us, just go to your here.com and there will be a link if you would like to register mindful in may is the world's largest online mindfulness fundraising campaign the idea behind it is simple they provide education tools and support so you can build a sustainable meditation practice to become mentally fit in one month research shows it only takes 10 minutes of meditation a day to see significant positive benefits to your life so I'm really, really excited to do this in April and actually get prepared for then going into Mindful in May, which have, which will have more meditations and lots of guest speakers. I just cannot wait. If you want to join Mindful in May, just go to thedreamlifestore.com and there will be a link if you would like to register. So let's dive right in. Hi Elise and welcome back for the second time on this podcast. I am so excited and so grateful to have you back.
1: Me too, absolutely. I can't wait to have this conversation with you. Very exciting. Thank you.
0: So for anyone who is listening, we had Dr. Elise Bailey on the podcast before, and I think it was podcast 72. So if you haven't listened to that, you definitely have to do that because we're going to cover something different in this episode. So go back if you haven't. I listened to it again last week and I listened to it again this morning. It's just so great. So I'm super excited about this. One of the reasons I'm so excited about having you back on the podcast is because the timing right now couldn't be more fitting in what's happening in the world right now. But before we dive in, can you please explain what mindfulness really means?
1: Yeah, so I think a really helpful way of understanding what mindfulness is, is to think about the opposite. So the idea of mindlessness and just take a moment to think about, you know, in the morning, where are my car keys? Or you're driving in your car and you have no idea how you just got somewhere or you're reading a book and you've just read a page and you actually haven't read the page at all. And you have to go over it 10 times. So that's mindlessness. It's when you're not fully present to what's happening in the moment. So mindfulness is the opposite of that. And it's really about being present to the moment and being aware of what's happening as it's happening, both inside yourself. So emotionally and what you're feeling but then also externally what's going on in the world and your interactions with people. And it is a skill that you can practice through mindfulness meditation to really build that muscle of presence and focused attention. I love that. I have never had it
0: explained like that. That's really great. Can you actually explain for our listeners what you see like mindfulness versus meditation? Because I think that's kind of often used in the same
1: kind of way, but perhaps there is a different way of looking at that as well. So I think meditation can be considered like almost how you think about there's sport and then there's tennis, cricket, different kinds of sports. So meditation is an overarching word that talks about a practice that you would be doing with your mind to achieve a particular purpose. And mindfulness is one type of meditation practice. Then you have Vedic or Tantric meditation. You have Yoga Nidra. There's all different forms of meditation Most of them have the same purpose, which is to, you know, help you attain greater happiness, less suffering in life, and, you know, if if you're talking in the spiritual world, become enlightened, which, you know, everyone's got a different idea about what that might mean.
0: And is meditation really about feeling calm in the moment or is it bigger than that?
1: Yeah, I think it's a really good point because people often come to meditation because they're in stress. They have a very big need for things to be different and they're looking for something that's going to help them manage stress. Now, meditation or mindfulness meditation, when you do it, it it definitely does help calm the nervous system. And the more you do it, the more you get those benefits. However, particularly when you begin, mindfulness meditation, meditation of all sorts, can actually be quite difficult and quite agitating because you're actually stopping and you're, becoming aware of what is present. And sometimes what is present is, you know, you're, you're stressed and it's almost like a detox. Like you have to, it's like a knot that you need to give space to, to untangle. And so there's a funny saying, you know, if you don't have time to meditate, then meditate for longer, because it's like the more stressed you are, the more you're going to benefit from longer periods of meditation. So it's more than just sort of attaining a state of calm. In fact, mindfulness, isn't really about creating a particular state. It's more about developing this awareness so that you notice whatever is there to be noticed. And then you can actually make wise decisions from that. So to be specific, you might not even realize that you're angry about something or that you're sad about something. And when you pause and you make that intentional meditation in your day, then you have a moment to catch up with yourself and actually notice, oh, wow, I'm feeling a bit sad. I didn't even realize that, or I'm feeling agitated or anxious or whatever it is. So sometimes you can actually feel uncomfortable feelings when you meditate and that's not a bad thing. I couldn't agree more, and I actually always see it as
0: a long term thing. I think when I feel that way, and I often do because i you know especially when you have lots going on, I find that that actually just making myself do it and then just know that it's so good for me, so I see that as you know like nutrition or or any other exercise that will the benefit will come after, and you know I know how good it is for my brain, et cetera so i I love how you explain that,
1: yes, and I think just to add something really important there. I've taught a lot of people. And and as I said, people come usually at a time of real need. And sometimes people come at an extreme time of need. They might've lost a loved one or lost a job and they're extremely stressed and anxious. And I just want to advise the listeners that there are times when perhaps meditation is not what's called for. And so it's not the panacea, it's not the antidote to everything and I think at times when you have experienced significant trauma, actually sitting down and, and doing meditation is possibly not what's called for. So that that's okay too and sometimes it's that you need movement and you actually don't need to be focusing so much on the present moment.
0: Yeah, that's a good advice. What are the benefits of being mindful?
1: Well, there are so many different benefits. I think a good way to think about it is you can look at the physiological, biological benefits, how it actually changes the body in very positive ways. And then you can look at the sort of emotional psychological benefits. So just to speak to a few, I mean, there's so this could be hours of podcast in itself, because there's thousands of studies around the benefits of this practice. But if we just focus, let's say, on the physical for a moment, we know, for example, that people that do a eight-week mindfulness program actually have architectural changes in the brain so we know that their amygdala which is the part of the brain that you know we often associate with worry and fear it's been suggested that it shrinks in size so this is a good thing it means that you know less stress less fear less worry we have parts of the brain that are related um, it's called the insula which is related to our being able to sense from the inside out what we're feeling in our bodies, which is really crucial for kind of a high level of emotional intelligence. So the insula grows in size, so this means that we actually have a better perception of what's happening in our bodies, which is where our emotions are located. So makes us better at tuning into what we're feeling and being able to respond to that with greater wisdom. A really interesting, which I found sort of mind-blowing, was around the prefrontal cortex, which is area just behind the forehead. And it's often described as the CEO of the brain, the part that helps us make decisions and focus our attention and inhibit. Like if you're angry and you want to put an angry email out to someone and you hit send, that's the part of your brain that says, hang on a sec, just stop, just take a breath. So we really want that part of our brain to be as highly developed as possible. So meditation has been shown to actually sort of enhance and grow that part of the brain as well. So And then finally, maybe just to demonstrate to listeners how deep this transformation can be, there's also been research around our actual genes and how the meditation practice can actually modulate, change the expression of genes and particularly around genes that are coding for inflammation in the body, which is really bad and puts us at risk of lots of illness. So meditation can actually turn down inflammation in the body at a genetic level. So it's pretty profound. That's just the biological and there's many other studies. But then if we talk about the psychological benefits or the emotional benefits, I think what's really interesting is looking at relationships because this is so much of where our happiness or our suffering comes, whether it's in our friendships, our intimate relationships, or even if we're parents, and we have children. I think mindfulness is a vehicle to greater emotional intelligence. And what I mean by that is, It helps us sense what we're feeling. It helps us, as I said, inhibit our automatic kind of reactive tantruming responses to people so that we can pause and catch ourselves and be more reflective and then come back and have a a more calm contained um, conversation. And it also helps us to be better communicators, better listeners, because we're actually present when someone's talking to us rather than lost in our own thinking and distracted by all the things that we have to do. So I mean, I could go on, but that's kind of a a few of the different benefits.
0: Well, those two alone are amazing. So uh, I'm sure everyone will be inspired to start meditating if they haven't or being more mindful.
1: I'll just throw another one in that came to mind that I think is really helpful, which is mindfulness can really help us be less fearful and more courageous because a lot of the time our minds jump ahead. And if something's coming up, let's say you've got, I don't know, an event at work or a big talk or something like that. And your mind can just get you really anxious. You can start thinking, oh my God, what if I make a mistake? What if they don't like it? And, and the mind, when it's not trained and when you don't know how to sort of contain that thinking can become quite stressful. And so mindfulness helps us kind of recognize when we're having thoughts that are unhelpful and have a choice about how we're relating to those thoughts. Are we getting pulled into the quicksand? Is it getting more amplified? Are we throwing that kindle into the flames of our minds so that these thoughts are just so big? Or are we recognizing the thoughts and and knowing that we actually have a choice to stop that thinking and let it go and bring our attention back into our body, focus back here in the present moment? So it's a very, very powerful tool to help us master our minds. And I think that you know, it's crazy that we don't learn this from birth, you know, right from the beginning and, and through school. And and fortunately, it is becoming more part of school, but I would love it to become, you know, just as part of the curriculum as maths, numeracy, literacy, all of that.
0: Oh, I couldn't agree more. And one of the things that I have found really beneficial is um, when I meditate, I often um, imagine what I want to create in the future. And that's been so helpful, especially when, I'm not 100% certain if I'm going to make it or if it's going to be good or I just feel like I go into really great um, mindsets because then, and it might not change anything, but it definitely changed the way I actually take action because I get excited about the thought and I get excited about the potential. So that's been really helpful for me is to really kind of create
1: my future in my mind first. That is so powerful. And, I mean, there's research around a little bit similar to that topic, which is we know that, you know, pianists or professional musicians or professional athletes, we know that visualization, you know, actually changes the brain as well. So it's not surprising that that kind of practice you would experience is is very powerful. At the time of the recording,
0: we have or you have, but I feel very much excited about it. So I feel it's, (laughs) we are mindful in May coming up and I'm extra excited about that this year because in my personal growth slash book club we are going to read your book The Happiness Plan which you wrote a few years ago we're going to read that in April we have you coming in to do a live meditation so I'm super excited about that, so thank you. But I'm also I'm so excited about doing the exercises daily from the book in the mindfulness journal that we are creating together. And then we'll be doing all the exercises and meditation weekly and discuss it as a group. And then I'm hoping by that we will all be so prepared and excited to t- take that to the next level and join Mindful in May. So for anyone who have not heard about Mindful in May, maybe
1: we can start there. So I think that for all of us as humans, we're, we're all constantly, you know, seeking to improve ourselves, get to a better place of health, well-being, purpose. And from what I understand from running this campaign and you know being in psychiatry, I have discovered that two of the most important ingredients to true transformation is community and starting small they're like two amazing things that we need to do if we really want to make a change. And so Mindful MA is a global online meditation campaign that has two purposes. One, to teach people how to master their mind and turn meditation into a habit so that they can truly use their mind to access the highest levels of flourishing that they can experience. And the second purpose is to recognise that we are all powerful individuals that when we really put our attention to it and turn our attention out into the world, we can really, really make a difference. And so Mindful May is about looking at the issue of global poverty and helping to bring clean, safe drinking water to people on the planet that just can't access it and there are millions and millions. So, And this is just a basic human need. Every year we launch Mindful May and we take people by the hand through the online program and it's really about giving you all the resources in a really accessible, science-backed way So you get guided meditations every day and you get video interviews and teachings with some of the world's best in the field of meditation and the brain and flourishing. And you get to do all this with thousands of people around the world at the same time. And by the end of May, the aim is that you will have established a meditation practice and you will have so many science-backed tools in your backpack to call upon in your life. So whether it's in your relationships, in your workplace, just to help you manage all of the demands that we face as humans and to date so the campaign's been running for eight years nearly and we've raised over a million dollars and that money has supported over 30,000 people across Africa to access clean water and what I always find amazing is that it takes just fifty dollars to bring clean water to one person for life so that is just such a gift to be able to you know contribute that and know that this water funds water projects and then you bring water to a whole village or to a whole school and and this is like a it's the gift that keeps on giving because they've just now got that water that they that they didn't have so that is kind of mindfully may in a nutshell and we've actually done research in collaboration with monash university to look at whether the 10 minutes of meditation a day which is what we invite you to commit to actually has significant benefits. And we found through the research, um, the research suggested that it does, that it does actually, if you commit to 10 minutes, just 10 minutes over one month, then you will experience significant benefits specifically around your attention, your capacity to be present. And then the spin-off of that is an improvement in managing stress, and also a greater sense of flourishing gratitude and appreciation in life. So And I think that's a really hopeful message for people because I think people think that, you know, if I don't have 30 minutes of meditation or 20 minutes two times a day that some schools suggest, then I may as well just not try it. But I think the message is even small amounts can have a really huge impact. I mean, first, congratulations for raising over a million
0: dollars. That's amazing and what a difference you make. So well done. That's really inspiring to be part of. And secondly, um, I love those two things that you raised the community I find that's why I started my personal growth club because um, all of us who love personal growth and books we it's easy to buy the books and you read them but then you cannot you don't go there a little bit deeper because you you don't have sometimes you don't have the people in your life that you can discuss it with so community is so important and also starting small so I also have a little habit club and I always say if you you know want to start running like just run really short to start with or one minute or whatever it is because that just gets us going. So I'm super excited to to do that. And ten minutes a day we we can we all have ten minutes a day. So do you feel like anyone who has never meditated before can do this as well as someone who is doing it? It's a very inclusive
1: program and I find that, you know, people come back every year. I've got people that have been doing it for eight years. So I sort of try and mix up the program a bit each year. But it it is really appropriate to someone that's never meditated before and then people who are more experienced I've got people that are meditation teachers and they've been doing it for 20 years and they just come in and they they get so much out of it as well because you know we can all just do with a little boost and and that support and also each year I tend to interview new experts so the interviews in themselves are quite frankly life-changing you know and there's four a week so it's a lot a lot of great content So exciting. Can't wait. So thank you for sharing that. So how do
0: we, and there's so many challenges happening right now around the world, but how do we turn, and obviously some are are out of our control, but how do we turn challenges into opportunities for growth?
1: I love that question. And, you know, I'm a learner. I'm still studying it myself. You know, I'm still trying to master the art of that. And I want to say that you know, there's a very big difference between the word challenge, you know, what we're talking about there, because, you know, I've had people in my membership program, I run an ongoing membership program that come to the monthly meditations I run and, you know, we do a loving kindness meditation and then someone will share at the end, you know, they lost their child or, you know, there are certain challenges that I don't think, you know, that they're wounds and they are so difficult, but in everyday life, the everyday life challenges, I think, what i've discovered is that again coming back to mindfulness meditation if you have a regular practice that helps you to tune into yourself and sort of stay reasonably grounded then it just allows you the space to manage when challenges come up to sort of have a bit more space to think clearly and you know i'm not saying i'm i'm definitely not perfect at this there are times where i've had challenges in my life and my meditation has fallen off track, you know, and that's where community comes in because that turning challenges into, you know, positive growth, it does rely on community because we can all get lost and we can all fall into negative internal narratives. And it takes someone out there outside of our head to kind of challenge us on what we're thinking and, and give us a different perspective. So I think that mindfulness meditation can give us that space and awareness to we, we develop a new way of relating to our thoughts where we don't get as tricked by them. And when we start falling into the inner critic or the judge, the self-judgment, you know, oh, I've, how could this happen? This is so bad. I'm a failure. With mindfulness practice, you don't get as sucked into that. You see thoughts as as what they are, just thoughts. They're not an authority on the matter. And so you're a bit more freed up to not get pulled into that negative thinking. So that's one way that mindfulness can help you manage challenges and and turn it into opportunities for growth. It's kind of a mindset and mindset idea there. And then the other thing is the community, having people there that can remind you, you know, that can remind you where to put your attention and, and remind you of, you know, your resilience and what you might've faced in the past and how you overcame it. So I think those two, two things can be very helpful. What do you think about that?
0: Well, <laughs> I, I relate so many so some, to everything you said, basically, because last the last couple of years been really challenging business-wise for me, and there were certain days where I thought, gosh, my, the meditation I've done, it's kind of gone." Because I just I was angry, I was sad, I was I had you know all the emotions that you do when when you lose something that you you love so much, and obviously this is very different to you know losing a child or anything like that. So I'm not even comparing those two, but we all you know we all deal with our own things and everything is relative but then i felt like i got back with the, all the tools that i've been using and all the meditation and all the personal growth that i've been doing the last uh, few years really helped because i got over it quite quickly in terms of i mean and i certainly have moments uh, where i do go back to that but i do feel like the foundation was there i just lost it a couple of times and by going back to that and you know that i also you know, love a mindful walk, and I love you know being out in nature and do mindful journaling and all those kind of things. So, if I'm talking about these these kind of challenges, there's always silver linings. And my new business, I'm so excited about that now that I feel like it's just you know it's the best thing. So the silver linings, but you never see that when you go through it. And I guess that's the that sometimes we just have to you know sit through it or or go through it, and then um, on the other side, there are always sunshine.
1: Yeah. And I think another, another point there to add to what you were saying is really huge self-compassion that, I mean, it's, you know, it's like everyone's talking about it now, but I think it's because it's so important and it's the self-compassion to bring to yourself when you have been affected by a challenge and it's making you feel like I'm not coping or I'm not, this is not my best self here, howling in the car. Cause I'm so overwhelmed by whatever it is, you know, like, just having self-compassion like none of us are perfect you're only human and no matter how much you meditate you know even the Dalai Lama talks about how he has anger problems so I think it's just recognizing our humanity and and being self-compassionate as well that that is really an important ingredient for shifting from challenge to to growth and the final point I would like to make is about physical exercise it is I mean I interviewed Kelly McGonigal. I'm not sure if your listeners know of, but, um, I would highly recommend her book, the joy of movement. It's all, it's the most phenomenal book and it's full of science and I just loved it. But the takeaway was really yeah, just how important movement is and we're not, you know, we're a body mind it's together. So, you know, and, and I'm in the field of meditation, but I'm also really interested in, in body and, and, and physicality. And, and I just think Interestingly, in the world of meditation, it's funny, you see all of these meditation teachers from overseas and they're all quite overweight, you know, and it's sort of like they sit there and meditate and it's it's not the full picture. So I think exercise is super important. I know for myself in particular, and in this book, The Joy of Movement, she actually talks about a gene that you can actually test if you have or not, that makes you more susceptible to the positive impacts of physical exercise. Or the flip side is more vulnerable to mental health problems if you're not doing physical exercise.
0: There is one exercise in your book and one that we actually did when I saw you speak uh, called Stop. And we actually spoke about it in, uh, in the previous episode. And when I was listening to that in preparation for this chat Uh, it reminded me what a good exercise that is and that is very helpful for us right now so i just wonder if you could
1: share that again the stop practice is it's really about putting micro mindfulness moments into your day and what i mean by that is we're often racing 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 from one thing to the other and we just don't stop and really honestly this takes a minute or two minutes max so stop is an acronym and it stands for stop T is take a breath or take three mindful breaths. O is observe. So observe what you're feeling in your body. Like is there tightness? Um, Is there tension in the shoulders? Just relaxing that. Observe your inner sort of the inner weather landscape. So of your mood. So are you high energy, low energy? Are you okay? Are you anxious, angry, whatever it is? Yeah, just really observing what is your state of body and mind in this moment so that you can kind of adjust. And then P is proceed back into your day. So it's stop, take three mindful breaths. And that means just fancy for saying, just tune in and feel your breath just as it moves in and out. Count three breaths. And then observe. So observing the body and the mind, like scan through your body from top to bottom. Is there any tension? You might be sitting at your computer. And when I do this, like my shoulders are often hunched up and I just relax the shoulders down and then pee is proceed. And I think in the book I talk about when I was working in the emergency departments and, you know, working 24-hour shifts and I would set this on my pager to go off stop and I would literally discover that my mouth was so dry or I actually needed to go to the toilet but I hadn't had time. And it's like quite a basic self-care, you know, that had been neglected because I was so busy. And so these enforced pauses throughout the day can really help us shift some of that cumulative stress and tension that builds up. And so I suggest to people to set an alarm in their, in their phone or put up little post-it notes, maybe um, in different parts of the house and just practice that and notice for yourself. I always say, you know, the Buddha 2,500 years ago said, see for yourself as in, don't take my word for this, actually try it and see what you notice. And if it's helpful, keep doing it. I love that. It was such a good reminder because I
0: kind of forgot that one. So thank you for sharing that again. We spoke earlier about none of us are perfect and we all fall off the wagon from time to time when it comes to all our habits, including meditation. So for anyone who needs to get back to it or start, can you give us some tips to just get going again?
1: I want to reference two books that are life-changing that everyone must read I'm sure you've read them, but if you haven't, so I'm sure you have, but Atomic Habits by James Clear and Tiny Habits by B.J. Fogg. And B.J. Fogg was actually, yeah, I interviewed him. He was part of for May about five years ago and his work changed my life and his work was really about tiny habits. So it's really, again, that message of, he says, if you want to do a habit, start a behavior. It should take less than 30 seconds. So in this case, you might just sit and meditate for 30 seconds. So start it small, anchor it to something that you already have. That's a regular habit in your life. So for example, brushing your teeth or even waking up in the morning, that's a habit. That's something you do every day without fail. So pin that new habit to an existing habit. And then the third point is give yourself acknowledgement afterwards, because that sort of embeds the positive habit into your brain. So start small, anchor it to something that you already do, and then give yourself a pat on the back after you've done it.
0: Absolutely. And uh, in our Habit Club, we actually then post it in our Facebook group because then you just feel that's kind of patting. Yeah, you're patting yourself in the back. You know, do like a challenge with like one push-up a day. And often you do more than that, but just to have that as your thing. And then people laugh and then I'm like, how many did you do last week? And they say zero. And I was like, well, at least I did seven.
1: (laughs) I find that fascinating, isn't it? It's just, it's the showing up. It's the showing up. There's something about the resistance that we have psychologically to, like if you make it really small, like I'm just going to do one stretch in the morning, then it gets you through that resistance. It's amazing. The hardest thing is always showing up. And the map once I'm there, it's like
0: then I do what I want to do. But, uh, yeah, it's almost like we almost like self-sabotaging ourselves because it's, yeah, it's just yeah, it's it's a very interesting um thing to kind of um go deeper on when we've got some time for because I think it just makes such a difference.
1: A few other things that came from both of those books was around environment design. So if you've started a habit and you've failed it, don't think about it as I've failed. I'm so bad at habits. Think about it as I haven't set up my environment in the right way. So they give the example of, you know, if you want to eat more healthy or whatever, leave the apples on the bench, you know, so that they're there and, and, and don't have the sweet things in your house at all. So set up the environment in a way that you don't, it doesn't even require willpower. And I, I really like that. And they also talk a lot about not relying on motivation because motivation wanes and it's just not a reliable It's just not a reliable factor to turn to when creating habits because we all get unmotivated.
0: Absolutely. And I think if you just decide you're going to do it regardless how you feel and if it's short, then you're more likely to to show up and do it as most of us have been working well perhaps on this side of the world probably globally uh, most people have been working from home for the last three years or so and some of us may have started some non-mindful habits when it comes to eating so for me that's eating in front of the computer it could also be for some people you know eating on on the go so can you please share some tips on mindful eating because i think that's really important
1: yeah, again, so mindful eating is in the bigger picture of how do we live with more mindfulness, more ability to be present to what's happening as it's happening as we move through our day. And so mindful eating is just one little practice like having a mindful shower or even using conversations as a, as a way to really be present and practice mindfulness. Mindful eating is really about fully being absorbed by the food and the flavors and bringing your attention into the senses so into the mouth into taste and and you know you don't have to do this with every meal but it might be that you just decide one meal a day is going to be an intentional mindfulness practice so it's all about intention right isn't it it's kind of it's setting the intention so if you're feeling that you've been running and eating on the go and then choose one meal and When you make it, you sit down and you just tune into the taste and the flavors. Notice where you're tasting it. Is it on the tongue or the palate? Feel when you swallow and just really slow it all down and and don't be doing other things while you're eating. And just even it doesn't even have to be a whole meal. It might be just for five minutes and you can even set the timer and then go and continue to eat unmindfully. But the, the great thing about eating mindfully is it's just so healthy because you find that you actually eat less because you're actually being present to the chewing and it slows the whole process down and I mean I'm sure you can relate I certainly it happened to me that when we're not present we just guzzle stuff down and you know we're just not really tuned into am I actually hungry when you make space whether it's meditation or journaling or whatever it is like to, it's just about intention and space so when you set some time aside in your week to just reflect on how am i going you know we don't stop to ask that enough like how am i going what needs changing? Is it, you know, how I, how's my eating going? How's my exercising? How's my use of technology? It's just kind of remembering to pause and ask these questions because otherwise the months just whiz by and you just haven't had a moment to stop and reflect on, you know, what tweaks need to be made to kind of improve things for myself.
0: Yeah, I love that. One of the things that I really try hard, don't always succeed, but um, is when I have my coffee to kind of just really sit. And now because I make it at home, I really enjoyed the uh, ritual. Uh, making it, and I always have candles, and and then I try to just sit for at least a couple of minutes just to kind of really be aware. Versus just because it's so easy, just to take that coffee cup and then run to the computer. But it's really really nice to to start the morning slow. And two minutes when you're not used to that feels like quite
1: a long time. Yeah, I mean it's interesting. The word mindfulness, I was just thinking, you know, it comes from the Pali word sati in the in the ancient text, and it it's often translated as to remember which I really love because I think part of this whole thing is that if we don't have a solid practice, it's just so easy to fall off track. And we don't remember to pause. We don't remember to bring ourselves back into this moment, or, you know, we just, we, we forget and we get so far away from these healthy habits. And that's again, where community comes in because that's where, like, it's really helpful to have someone on the outside saying, hey, how's your meditation going or how's your exercise or, you know, because we it's just hard to, when you're so far gone, it's hard to to rely on yourself to pull yourself back. So for me, you know, community is everything and it doesn't have to be big community. It's It just can be like one person or two people. To A couple of friends of mine set up a, a long time ago, we set up a little gratitude WhatsApp and we have a little thing going where we just send, you know, we share it actually peed it off. But it, we went for about three, four years where we were both just, we were sharing something that we were grateful for from, from the day, you know?
0: Yeah, the uh, communities, absolutely everything. How do we make meditation a habit? So how, what's your tips on, on, you know, not just starting it, but keeping it?
1: I think it echoes a lot of what we've been talking about. I think number one is having the right guidance because you can start off and, you know, go to a teacher and if they're not, adequately trained. They might be not teaching or probably. So having the right instruction and guidance is very important. And having, I think having an interaction so that, you know, the, the inevitable obstacles that come up don't stop you from progressing, but you can work with someone to get through that, to get to the other side of that. And then again, we've talked about starting small. I think that you do definitely need to make a commitment. So it is, you know, I'm going to give this a real go and setting it up so that you succeed. So joining a community. So that's really what Mindful May is about. It's really offering community, offering a lot of support, offering everything, you know, the, the actual guided meditations and, and I offer small ones in there. So if you, if it's a day that's particularly hectic, you just go and do your one minute one or your two minute one. And and that's keeping the flame of your habit alive. So yeah, community start small and commit, commit to a period of time and then review. Yeah, which is so great because
0: when you do it in mindful in May, you have the thirty-one days, and because you have so much extra things in there to kind of get you. I often talk about when you start a new habit to read about the habit, so it's, or or listen to speakers or podcasts about that habit. So. That's what we'll do in May, which is super exciting. I can't wait. I love how you are sharing in your book, The Happiness Plan, Tara Brach, a leading meditation teacher and writer, how she shared her perspectives with you on how mindfulness can actually support more meaningful and impactful doing in our lives. Can you please share that
1: with us if you remember it? So first of all, Tara Brach is incredible for anyone that hasn't stumbled upon her yet and it was a question i asked because a lot of people ask me you know oh don't you think meditation's a bit self indulgent you know which i know i knew is not the case but i was interested in her answer so it was a sense of that when we are practicing some kind of contemplative presence practice where we're coming back to ourselves every day it enables us to be in touch with kind of greater intuition a greater a deeper intelligence And the actions that we take in the world come from quite a different place to when we are rushed and not really thoughtful and have no space to tune into what really matters and our purpose. And also a really great example personally is is actually the creation of Mindfully May. For me, that really came, I went on a, I've been on many silent meditation retreats, but I went on a silent meditation retreat. I think it was like my first or second one. And I came back and I was very practicing for quite a, a lot each day and it was literally in meditation that all these kind of dots came together and there was this collision of ideas and Mindful May just came up in one form. And And so I think I know it to be true that when you make space, you can often be delightfully surprised by new ideas and clarity that, that you can tap into that you wouldn't otherwise be able to access. So I don't think it's a self-absorbed practice at all. You know, I think it's very generative and, and yeah, a, a great thing to be doing to have positive impact in the world.
0: In your book, you also share some tips about mindful technology. And I think that is one thing that most of us could perhaps
1: do a little bit more of. So how do we do that? This is a topic that I feel really passionate about and very disturbed about. I have two young kids and I really worry about this a lot. I have an interview coming up with Mindfully May with Anna Lemke, who was featured in The Social Dilemma, the Netflix movie. She's an, an expert psychiatrist in addiction. And so I want to save some of the juice and the goodness that she shares um, for people that are going to do Mindfully May. But um, yeah, this is so important. And again, I think mindfulness is so helpful here because what is being required of us is to really institute our own boundaries and Let's just talk about an example. So, let's say it's the end of the night, we're tired, and you pick up your phone and you start scrolling on Facebook or Instagram. And with mindfulness, you can actually turn that into a mindful practice. So, it can be like, oh, noticing that I'm scrolling. And you can sort of sense, like, what's the underlying feeling that I have that's leading me to do this? So, often for many people, it might be exhaustion, because I think people, particularly at the end of the day, just kind of tap into that because they're so tired, they can't be bothered doing anything else. And you can ask yourself, like as you're scrolling, you can also ask the question, you know, is this really what I want to be doing? You know, is this really what I want to be doing? And then you can, it's, it's again about bringing this presence, this awareness into the moment so that you can actually notice that you're getting pulled into it and have a choice about whether you want to keep doing that or stop doing it. So the thing about that is it relies on you having a solid meditation practice so that this we talked about the prefrontal cortex that part of the brain that helps us with decision making and how we pay attention and inhibiting our reflex you know inhibiting those automatic responses it gets very strong and so you'll notice as you start practicing meditation more that you don't get as caught up in these habits that are unhealthy you know it could be getting pulled into the facebook scroll or instagram scroll or it could be that habit of just going to the fridge and pulling out like a chocolate that's there and you're not even aware. It's like an automatic habit. And so I think we all get pulled into this unhelpful negative automatic habits with technology and it really does require strong present moment awareness or mindfulness to catch ourselves so that we don't fall into those habit loops and then they get really ingrained in the brain in an automatic way and and that's when it becomes a real problem.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I, I don't know how many times I have picked up the phone to do something and all of a sudden I find myself on Instagram. It's just it's uh, yeah.
1: And 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 it's like hours, you know, and a, a half an hour goes by in a minute, you know, and you've just been sucked into the into the abyss. But yeah, I think it's really it's so urgent and I I worry because I know what it's like for me, you know, all of us adults I, I can get pulled in sometimes and and have troubles if I'm not, you know, very centred and whatever and then I think about the kids and how can you expect children to create their own boundaries and one of the messages that Anna Lemke says is you know for parents you know for as long as you can with the developing brain to protect the children you know as long as you can create some protection create it because you know the the, the child's brain is developing so rapidly that the, the more delayed sort of tiktok is and all of these things the better i mean it's obvious but she was really harping on about that i could not agree more it's um it's it's one of my biggest challenges to it it's
0: yeah yeah, and a lot of people say, I often, when I run my my workshops, people say they don't have time to create their dream life. And I always say, go and look at your phone and see if you have. And it's, I think especially now when um, it's not just social media, it's also the news because, of course, what's happening in the world, I think we all got sucked in to know, wanted to know what's happening. And um, one of the things I try to, you know, if you want to be aware of the news, you know, dedicate one or two times a day. You don't need more because it just gets your it's not great for us Uh, plus that you then have that couple of hours a day perhaps that you would normally spend on social media or watching the news or watching something that doesn't really give you anything and then use that time to to create your dream life or meditate or whatever is important to you in your book you share 10 by 3 wake up could you share that with our listeners please
1: Yeah, this is a really easy, simple mindfulness practice that you can do. It might be a nice place to start if you're not a meditator or even if you are. So the 10 by 3 is when you wake up in the morning, as soon as you open your eyes, just notice, actually notice, oh, wow, I've just woken up. It might be to an alarm or naturally. Naturally is obviously great. means you've had enough sleep. And take 10 mindful breaths. So just bring your attention into your body and just sense the breath. And just notice the breath and allow the breath to breathe in its own rhythm. And you might count the breath. So after each exhale, it's one and then another exhale, two. And see if you can count to 10 or just be present to 10 breaths. And then after the 10 breaths, you just bring to mind three things that you're grateful for. And then you step out of bed and then you check your phone if you need to. So really just that is such a great setup. You know, I think these small things make such a difference. If you leap out of bed and the first thing you do is check your phone and then you just get bombarded either with news or emails, you're 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 leaping into high cortisol in the beginning of your day. And this is just a very simple, easy practice to to start getting into.
0: I love that one. Thank you for sharing. I, I I do something similar, but I actually don't do 10 so I might I might um I might change that. So thank you. <laughs> so, we're getting to the end. I just wanted to ask, do you think we can still be happy in the most challenging times like we we we're currently in? And if yes, how do we do it?
1: Yeah, I guess, you know, that's a lot of what the book that I wrote is about, the happiness plan, and I think the takeaway message is that no matter what's going on on the outside it's how we it's how we interpret things and it's what happens in our mind that can amplify stress and and sort of put extra extra challenge and stress on top of what already is there so i think a practice like meditation where it's really about as i said mastering the mind learning getting curious really looking at the mind and looking at thoughts and developing this new relationship with thoughts where they don't have as much impact on us can be truly life-changing. It's certainly changed my life. And I know that thousands of people around the world email me after Mindful May, and they just can't believe what an impact it's had to learn about the mind. And they often write, they're sad that they just haven't gotten into this practice sooner. and, And they think about all the suffering that they could have saved themselves. So I think it's all about the mind really. And I think everyone needs to have some kind of practice that that helps them master their own mind.
0: Love that. And I could not agree more. So thank you so much. So as always, love talking to you. We could have podcast for days (laughs) and days and i always (laughs) love catching up with you for our walks but it's always great to um i often i get so inspired when we catch up and then i share it with my friends and they were like we want to hear more so having you back on the podcast is great so thank you and i'm so excited about joining you in mindful in may and hopefully do that with our community as to all of us uh, benefit from meditation and being more mindful then be able to do
1: all the good things that we can do and and create our own dream life so thank you thank you so much and you know it's a mutual adoration fan club over here
0: (laughs) (laughs) oh you're so sweet thank you so much Oh, that was so inspiring. I just cannot wait to get started in April and read her book, The Happiness Plan, and do 10 minutes of guided meditation every day. And then every Monday, discuss and share our experiences and grow. I really hope you will join me. I will be back next week. So have a wonderful week.